Hello and welcome to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I am your backup host, producer Mason, and I'm joined this week as ever by our friend in West County, St. Louis, Sean Campbell. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing all right today, Mason. Just hoping that our my early season woes can go away, but we'll see how that goes. As good as can be expected. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> All right, so uh, we've got a a show for you. I'm not going to say it's a big show, but we got a show for you. Um, So first things first, uh, our uh, our fearless leader Mike is um, is back at home, but still not feeling up to uh, to coming on the show yet. So hopefully we'll hear from him next week. Uh, This week it's hopefully one last run of us of us chuckleheads, but. We've got uh, a little bit of St. Louis City news from the Academy, Um, your MLS breakdown, preview of the semifinals for the Champions League, and then some stuff that's happened with the USMNT and the World Cup. And then afterwards, we're going to take a break, come back after the US Open Cup game and discuss what we saw. So let's crack on. With St. Louis City, mostly it's the Academy and mostly it's the U16s. They were the only one that played. And they got a 5-3 win over the Michigan Jaguars. So, U16s is still looking really good. Um, Caden Glover had a hat trick. Uh, Jackson Delkis got an assist on that sec- on his second goal. Good stuff. Great stuff. And then the Academy plays next on April 10th uh, in uh, at Shattuck St. Mary's. So, we're uh, revisiting an old arrival if, uh, if you guys were, uh, one, if any of you were there for that game. There hasn't been a U-17 game recently. Uh, They next play on April 23rd and 24th in back-to-back home games against FC Cincinnati and Columbus Crew Academies. So they got a nice extended break, which I think that they need. (laughs) Yeah, getting that extended break is going to be good, but having another back-to-back weekend is maybe not so good, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because <laughs> we we saw what happened the last time they played back to back, so we will come back around to St. Louis City after the Open Cup, whereas we're going to watch the St. Louis City two game against Indy Fire, or excuse me, Indy Eleven, the Indianapolis Fire. I think is an academy team. <laughs> um, but first, Sean, how about you kick us off with some MLS breakdowns? Yeah, we've got everybody playing this weekend after last weekend having the international break. Some teams opted in. To play a home game during the break so they don't have any midweek games during the later part of the season, which in retrospect is probably a smart move, but some people may say otherwise. But that's neither here nor there. So let's just jump on into some of the big games this weekend. Um, an absolute, I don't know if I'd call it a classic, but it was pretty much what you'd expect between the Timbers and the Galaxy. Ended up going 3-1 in Galaxy's favor. Both teams ended up playing the last, what was it, like a half hour both down a man. Um, Diego Chara finally ties Kyle Beckerman for most fouls in the MLS. And he did it in about 180 less games than Passit Beckerman did. Uh, in classic Gio Savarisi fa- fashion, it's a bit of a slow start to the year. And Timbers, again, seem to play better football when they go down a goal. So they may as well just start spotting teams a goal to start. And hopefully they can start getting some wins. But we'll see how that goes. <laughs> But more importantly, Chicharito is fully in form, 
Man is killing it up front, poaching goals. He's playing he's playing well in the buildup. And I, I think he's making a strong case for himself to get back in the conversation of joining L3 at the World Cup in the winter. But for some reason, they keep having him in exile. Hopefully they can bring him back into the fold because they're probably going to need someone like that in the box if they're going to have any chance of getting out of group stage this year. Yeah, that that first Chicharito goal was gorgeous. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Absolutely beautiful. He's he's just he always has and always will just have a nose for a goal, picking out passes in the middle of the box. He knows where to be at the right time. And that's really what you need in a classic number nine. And Mex- again, Mexico does not have that right now. They can they're too one dimensional without him. And he's he would very much help them find the back of the net and actually get some points and get out of group. It really seems that way in league play <laughs> for sure. Moving right along, like I said, my uh, my early season woes are continuing. SKC takes another loss, 1-0 up in Vancouver. Uh, but part of that's because the Whitecaps now have Ryan Gold and Brian White back in their starting 11. Uh, it was a largely uneventful game from what I understand, and it SKC just can't seem to put it together. It's almost as if they need to not start Kyrie Shelton and spent too much money bringing back the nostalgia that is Yuri Rosell. But that's just my opinion. I think Cam Duke needs to start playing a lot more because the kid is good. Remember what happened the last time they did that? Yeah, I think you do. I've talked about him enough. Little, little man by the name of uh, Busio. But, you know, <laughs> but enough with sporting. <laughs> well, the Vancouver Whitecaps get their vengeance. I don't know if I'd call it vengeance. <laughs> vengeance would imply they won three to nil or something. It absolutely stomped the game, bossed the midfield, but it it just seemed like neither team really wanted to go out and grab it. But again, you're when you're playing with an ineffective striker, we see what happens. Yeah. Next game on the docket, we've got an absolute goal fest over in Cincy. Yeah, Cincy of all places. They're really putting together a decent start to the year, mostly because of the young man Brandon Vasquez, who is really coming into his own up front. He's scoring a few goals. He's making some great plays. Now, if only Cincy's defense was not totally Swiss cheese. And even with that, you'd think they'd actually have a keeper who could actually, you know, stop a ball. But uh, it's almost as if he couldn't stop a beach ball coming at him. At least that's what it's looking like this year. I think maybe they should just take the risk and actually start the recently drafted Celentano, but I don't think they will because no one wants to start a rookie goalie. That's just just not the smart move. But who knows? What what could it hurt at this point? You're already letting up like three, four goals a game. Why not take a chance that maybe it's only two goals a game? Um, on the other side of the ball, you've got Georgie Mihailovic showing that he might want to get called back into that U.S. camp. Because he put on a show in this game. Yeah, I mean, this game looked like it was a lot of fun to watch after I watched the highlights. Um, not a lot of good soccer, but it looked like a lot of fun. Um, Alex Khan just... <laughs> it just did him. Not, it was not a good day for him. <laughs> Bench him. <laughs> but no, good soccer is not always exciting soccer, and exciting soccer is not always good soccer. Unless it's energy soccer, because if it's energy drink soccer, it's exciting and it's good, but you're (laughs) going to have some holes. (laughs) But I don't think either team's trying to play that style of play right now. But again, Cincy, 
fix your D, and get a caper that can actually stop a ball. Yeah, just... You don't like to see it. <laughs> but, Especially when yeah, you're actually uh, playing well. Yeah, um, I think Vasquez is the goal leader um, in MLS early on, but... It's early in the season. Good thing I have him on my fantasy team, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, speaking of fantasy, while I'm thinking about it, there are some teams, including Cincy, who are not playing this week. So if, for example, you have Vasquez on your fantasy team, which I would recommend you do, don't like take him off, replace him with someone this week. <laughs> or maybe just put him on the bench and replace your bench player if you've got some spare salary to use. I mean, that's, I've, got that's a couple, fair. I've got a couple yeah. million floating around. I could pick up a better sub. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in in my case, my sub was Will Bruin, so that wasn't an option for me. <laughs> uh, Will Bruin's not a bad sub to have. No, but he never plays. <laughs> well, now he won't, because when you look at when you look at what happened up in Seattle, they've got everybody back. Rui Diaz played half a, half the game. Um, everyone's back and healthy, getting minutes, getting geared up and ready to go for that CCL game later. That later tonight i believe or are they playing tomorrow they're playing um, tomorrow it'll, well the yeah, day it, the podcast be, drops yeah it'll be to it'll be tonight for you listening it's tomorrow for us right seattle comes away with the three points there up in minnesota they finally got their team back together and it looks like they are going to start reversing the early season woes for them which is good for them i guess God, I almost gagged saying that. <laughs> uh, credit where credit's due, but it is it is the Sounders. <laughs> that is fair. Another team that's actually absolutely storming off at the start of the year is LAFC, taking it to Orlando. Ended up winning four to two there uh, at the end of the very eventful first half. It ended two two going in, and then shortly into the second half, Ilya Sanchez. Shout out to Ilya. Makes the difference and puts puts on an absolutely clinical strike to make it 3-2. LAFC comes back, shuts it down, gets another goal in the in stoppage time. And Orlando now has two losses at home on the season, and it's not looking good for them. But there's still time for them. They, they, they've shown moments where they can be effective. Yeah, I watched this game. This game was pretty good. Um, well, I watched most of it. Um, yeah, after... After the second half, Orlando just kind of didn't quite have it anymore in LAFC. After they got the third, I turned it off because I was seeing other scores around the league and being like, man, I didn't pick the best games to watch. <laughs> but yeah, LAFC is still looking really good. They they spent a lot of money and it's paying off. Finally get some consistency out of their 11-2, which is what you really want to see is consistency, whether you're getting points or not. You want to see consistently good play where you're challenging to get points every game, regardless of outcome, because you can't win them all. But that's what you need to see, is being able to fight for points game in and game out, regardless of how it ends up on the score sheet. Yeah. I mean, like, yes, that is good sound coaching strategy, but I think LAFC is very obviously trying to win here. They obviously want to make a push for the Cup. Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, they're still... That's why they made so many splashes in the offseason. Oh, yeah. So, yes, like, well, well, like in most circumstances, yes, what you really want is that consistency. That's not quite going to cut it for L.A., I don't think. <laughs> no, not when they've got such quality on the field that really should be producing at a high level anyway. Which it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're one yeah. <laughs> of the last three undefeated teams in the MLS right now, which 
is always a good thing to say, especially when you're, I mean, you're only six, seven games in right now, but that's still a good thing to see. Yeah. We've got another bit of a typical result here. We've got a, a replay of last year and a Nashville versus the crew in Columbus. Fairly, fairly low scoring, which you'd expect from these two clubs. It ended up one nil, but I think the more important takeaways from this is Mukhtar's still off the score sheet, which once he starts, it's going to start flooding again. And uh, Federico Higuain comes home on a one-day contract to retire with the crew. And as he said, home is where the heart is. So always good to see feel-good stories like that, especially on a game where you can come away and, uh, you know, you don't get the points, but you put it out, all out on the field. Yeah. Yeah, the crew still look good. Um, Nashville still looks good. Mukhtar's off to a rough start. You covered it all pretty much. <laughs> All right, and last but not least, we have an update on the rise from the bottom, as I'm going to start calling it this year. All three Texas teams get points. We had Dallas get the draw up in Chicago, and in front of a very, how do I put this, um, sparse crowd. But yeah. it was <laughs> in a nil-nil draw where you did not start Jesus Ferreira, you didn't play Paul Ariola. You kind of expect them to not necessarily be as high flying as they were going into the international break. Um, Chicago seemed to have the better chances, but I think without your two leading scorers, it's going to be a fairly, fairly even matchup between those teams this year. With Chicago also being one of those undefeated teams, mostly because they're getting draws instead of losses, which is always a good thing. But props yeah, to those you... two teams for doing better this year. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Um... It, it looked like a very soggy day in Chicago, and that ref was really tight on the whistle, so there wasn't a lot going on in that game. <laughs> Moving along to the, you know, to another Texas team, we've got the Dynamo absolutely pouncing on Miami. Fafa Pico looks to be in full force this year. Darwin Quintero's showing up and being Darwin Quintero, and the Dynamo are looking dynamic this year, which is a good sign. And for once, we might not we might have no Texas teams in the bottom three, which would be a a, a good thing, in my opinion, because you've got three teams. One of them's got a great academy that's finally producing players that they're keeping. You've got the Dynamo that are finally putting it together after a, a rebuild slash rebrand year um, in Miami. Oh, Miami, I'll get to you later. <laughs> And then last and last but certainly not least from the last Texas team we have Austin drawing against Team Chaos. That's right. They they went 2-2 against the San Jose Earthquakes because Jeremy Obobese finally making good on that offer that he's going to score goals for them. Uh finally gets on the score sheet. Maxi Arudi gets gets on the score sheet as well and becomes the first player to score for all three Texas teams. It seemed to be a bit of a back and forth affair, but Austin still looked really good, and Team Chaos just was still Team Chaos. Still yeah. winless. <laughs> yeah. Kate Cowell had a nice, uh, uh, the nice equalizer at the end. But, yeah, I San Jose. <laughs> San Jose, San Jose. The only question we really have is, can the Texas teams keep this up and actually be competitive all year long, or are they going to start to fade down the stretch? And by all accounts, it looks like, no, I don't think they'll fade. I think they're going to hold on and at least push for playoff spots in some real seriousness this year. And as long as they keep showing up like this, 
good for them. I'll put my money where my mouth is. And who knows? Maybe we could have some magical storylines coming down at the end of the year. But we'll look we'll look on to that as as the season progresses. Yeah. But if these three teams stay strong, um, that's suddenly going to make the uh, uh, playoff push a lot more competitive because these were previously three teams that you could basically write out. Oh, yeah. you Last year, you go into anywhere in Texas and you take a look at it, and the only one that might actually cause you any trouble would be Austin. Um, Dallas looked absolutely limp in attack, and Houston... I, I don't know. If, mess. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think there's a word to describe it other than it's. They were a mess last year. Yeah. But uh, but no, it's it's refreshing to see teams that are you know see different teams at the top. Um, and I mean across the board, the start of this year looks very upside down from where last year was because mm-hmm. you've got the normal contenders, even though they're in most of them were in Champions League. They're all in like the bottom four or five spots. And the teams that were in the bottom last year are up at the top. A lot of teams you think would be making the playoffs and putting together strong campaigns are not starting out well. And teams that you expect to be cupcake cupcake games outside of, you know, maybe Miami are proving to be very difficult opponents to play against. And I honestly am all about it because it makes for really exciting games to watch. And when you're watching as much soccer as we have to for this podcast, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, unless you're like me and you end up picking like <laughs> two of the most boring games for the week to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some at some point, it's a bit of a not not necessarily a crapshoot, but it's it's a bit of a, a toss up. As to which games are actually going to end up being good and which ones aren't, because anyone can be good on any given day. Team exactly, Chaos could yeah. show that. That's exactly what I was going to say. It was like just as much as the results are kind of any given Sunday, which games are going to be fun and which ones aren't are hard to predict, too. Unless it's a classic rivalry game like Portland, Seattle is always going to be a fun one to watch. Anything that's Cascadia yeah. Cup is going to be fun to watch. Um, on the off chance you get a, a fire SKC game, that's going to be fun to watch. Um the New York City Derby is always fun because the Red Bulls are explosive and NYC is a bit. I don't know how to describe them either, but they're good. Uh, yeah. You just you love to see Derby games. They always bring out the best in, in both teams, regardless of how good they're doing in the standings. And that's pretty much across the board, not just in this yeah. league, but in in over in Europe too. Derby day is always a good time. Exactly. But I mean, like, like one of the other games that I watched was like Philly Charlotte. You kind of knew what the result of that game was going to be before it started, but it, at least the first half was still fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Philly's going to Philly. They don't have Jabilco, but Philly's going to Philly. Yeah. All right. And a couple last quick notes on uh, on the teams in the MLS across the across the board this week. We have three undefeated teams left, and that's the Philadelphia Union, LAFC and the Chicago Fire. The big question here is how long can the fire stick around and be relevant in this in this discussion and. For the sake of fire fans everywhere, I hope you guys can keep it up. I hope you guys can stay relevant because that's always a very satisfying sight to see is when a fan base can finally have a good pro- a good team on the field that they can get behind and really rally them together. And then next thing you know, they become strong for a long time. Um, goodness knows I went through that as a child when I was being a Blues fan, but <laughs> good on you, yeah, fire. I think a lot of us can uh, uh, commiserate with that. But um, yeah, I mean... 
like looking at like actual like like the result like or the play from on the field it looks like it's it's yeah it's like getting a lot of draws instead of losses which is good but not a lot of like inspiring play where they should have won you know well yeah but when you look at getting draws instead of losses look what happened with Nashville last year they were what third in the in the Eastern Conference getting yeah. draws instead of losses <laughs> that was going to be my uh, that was going to be the other side of the point was but then you know if you're getting a lot of draws that should have been losses you're still getting a point and look at how that turns out for Nashville <laughs> exactly so who knows maybe maybe the fire are the are the new Nashville now that Nashville's gone out west <laughs> I I don't think that's true 100%, but you get you get the comparison <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. And then last but actually least, we have our <laughs> two winless teams left. And we've got Team Chaos and the Baby Beckhams, as I think I'm going to start calling them this year. Because <laughs> we all knew yeah. this was coming. Team Chaos is, especially without Wando, they're, they have some bite to them. They can catch you out on any given Sunday, but they haven't shown it just yet. Um, only picking up a couple of points, one here, one there, and getting lost, getting draws instead of wins is is not the side of the coin you want to be on. You want draws instead of losses, and yeah, San Jose's just it, not doing that. Yeah, it, it's, it's the falling up the stairs and falling down the stairs analogy again, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the other team, oh, Miami. Oh, Miami. At this point, I have to start questioning how much of this is, you know, David Beckham making not the smartest decisions as far as running a team and how much of it is them still getting trying to figure out how rosters work, um, how much of it is the coach, how much of it is the players not wanting to be there. There's a lot of questions that are going to start getting asked now. And I mean, granted, again, it's still early. There's plenty of time for them to turn it around and start answering some of these questions. But uh, the biggest one in my mind is maybe not all great soccer players are meant to run a team or be coaches. And it, if this season keeps playing out like it is, I think that might be the case for David Beckham. And cue yeah. the hate tweets targeting <laughs> me. Yeah, that's going to be a um, an unpopular opinion, I think. But I mean, yeah, it's um because I don't think that this is like necessarily like stuff with the front office anymore. Right. Because it's well, although I don't know, because it seemed like a lot of the decisions that they had made in the offseason to shuffle around the, the structure of the team were good ideas then. But it's really not showing on the field. I don't know how long or how deep that restructuring went, how long it's going to be to see those effects. But You'd think that you'd get a little more than this. I mean, they brought in DeAndre Yedlin, for for goodness sake. Like, you should be able to at least get some sort of production out of him, whether it's good good pass, good crossing, or some actual defense, but it, you can't put your entire team on one guy either. It's, I don't know how much of this is what I stated earlier, and some of it could actually just be it's taking some time for everything to regel after the huge shakeup they had this off season. And I'm not saying go, you know, we should be calling for anyone's jobs here, but something's no. got to come together soon or else you're going to start having to question that. And people are going to start feeling a bit of bit of warmth coming from their chair, but maybe not, yeah. you know, anyone on fire. 
Yeah, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> like a thing is, is that like you know some pretty big key players in the front office just got these jobs. So, like, I don't know. It it's it's hard to tell f- just from play on the field and what we're hearing where the problem really lies. And there's going to be plenty of season to figure that out and actually see what happens and what comes of it. Um, Because, again, we're only like six games into the season. So this is all just uh, hyperbolized speculation (laughs) from a a few games, small sample size, the whole bit. Yeah, it's everything I say with a grain of salt always. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that of these two, the Quakes are better. They're not good, but they're better. <laughs> I don't know if it, if I'd say they're better. I'd say as it stands, they're more likely to squeak I think they're more win dangerous. out of nowhere. Yeah, they're okay. they're more likely to win. They have they seem to have a bit more bite at the moment, but yeah. that could easily change by the end of the year. And with that, I think we've about covered. I think we've about covered MLS for the week. Unless you've got anything else you wanted to mention. Well, I guess. Because I do kind of want to talk about some of it in relation to Champions League. So let's crack on with that. And I guess we'll do it in a bit of a reverse order and do Sounders versus NYCFC first. Because a lot of what I want to talk about here is in relation to what I saw from their games over the weekend. Which is, this is going to be a Sounders cakewalk. (laughs) Because NYCFC was a mess on defense against Toronto. (laughs) And that's that's hard to look a mess on defense against Toronto. But yeah, like looking at the highlights of that game, they were it it looked extremely sloppy in the backfield. I think that Sounders are going to take it to them. Well, we'll see for sure. Um, but Sounders are coming together, and NYCFC seems to be. I don't know if they're changing anything, but it seems like they're just not trying to. I don't know if it's not trying to stir the pot, but they're just. There's something off about them this year. They're not the same team that they had last year, even though they're pretty much the same team they had last year. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on here, but I would I would tend to agree with you, and I think I think Sounders is going to take this this first leg, um, especially with it being in Seattle. Uh, it's we'll see how it goes because there is still a second leg to play, and that one's going to be supposedly at more than likely at Yankee Stadium again because NYC doesn't have a stadium. (laughs) NYC doesn't have a stadium and they never will. They never will. It's never going to happen. It's like (laughs) the Dragons in Game of Thrones. The stadium is coming, I promise. It's never coming. (laughs) They certainly aren't going to have a stadium if they continue to insist on it being in Manhattan. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's... That's less likely than them tearing down the Amazon warehouse in Fenton so they can build a soccer-specific stadium there. (laughs) But with NYCFC, I wonder if any of these struggles maybe are coming. Because the only thing that's really happened is that they didn't, like, they didn't transfer Tati Castellanos, but they basically said that they will, but not to who. And they haven't confirmed anything. I wonder if that like sort of Damocles hold it like hanging over them has anything to do with it. I don't know. Well, I mean, I could see that very much being a possibility. But at the same time, I mean, it's easy for us to say because we're not in the locker room. We're not on the field, but you still have to be able to go out there and do your job. 
you're getting paid to play the sport. You should be able to get out there and do your job without worrying about, oh no, my teammate's going to leave. And at some point you have to step up because if you don't, when they do, if they, if slash when they do sell him on, whoever they bring in to replace him, I mean, it might change things enough that you might be out some minutes. You might be out a place on the, in the starting 11 eventually because someone underneath of you is like, now's my chance and then take it from you. Mm -hmm. Once again, it's, it's conjecture and speculation, but that, because otherwise it's just like they just don't have it. Yeah. And it could be just last year was an absolute fluke and, Maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. You can only yeah. ride one guy so long and and expect to actually be 100% competitive 100% of the time. Yeah. But, so anyway, that game will be on at 9 p.m. on Wednesday, so the evening that this show comes out. And then tonight for us, last night for you, will be Pumas versus Cruz Azul. And I think Cruz Azul's got this one. Oh, yeah, it's Cruz Azul. Like... How yeah. can you not bet on Cruz Azul? Granted, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the table is going to be any real decider on this, because when you look at the the league Mekis table, Cruz Azul is only five points up. But it's it's Cruz Azul. <laughs> like they're always one of those dangerous teams in Mexico, and I I don't see them losing by more than one in either of these legs and I see them winning by quite a few yeah so that's Champions League and then you know we'll we'll have scores for those next week and see how it actually shakes out we could be completely wrong I would like to be proven wrong because that'll give us a bit more exciting stuff to talk about <laughs> exactly but so we have got uh, some stuff with the USMNT and the World Cup. Um, we got the draw for the group stage. We are in Group B, correct? Yes, Group B. Yeah, and so that is us, England, Iran, and the winner of the UEFA play-in. So that will be either that'll be either Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine. Scotland and Ukraine have a playoff game, and then the winner of that plays Wales. Well, I don't know about you, Mason, but uh, I'm getting some very uh, 2010 South Africa vibes from this from this group. Um, for those that don't remember, we had England in a group in South Africa, and everyone's like, oh, England's going to win this group. They're going to run away with it, and blah, blah, blah. We'll see who's fighting for second place. And then out of nowhere, U.S. stuns everybody and ends up top in England. And I think we had a pretty good run that that cycle for sure. Uh, different group of players completely, but I could I'm not saying we're winning the group. Don't put words in my mouth, but <laughs> I I think I think England's secured top is a bit uh, bit more in question than than some people are willing to let on. Yeah, like Iran aren't really any slouch either. Um they won their uh, their part of uh, AFC, the AFC championship, and then um, yeah, and like the last couple, last two times that um, England and the US have met up, we won one, but that was way back, and then there was that nil nil draw. So I yeah, it the 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 the, uh, the top two spots in this group seem pretty shaken out, but it's not for sure. 
Oh, yeah, no, for sure. For sure, it's not for sure. In the most Midwest <laughs> way to say it. No, yeah, no, for sure, it's not for sure. Exactly. <laughs> and especially a lot of it, I think, depends on which of those three teams get, wins the play-in. Because if it's Ukraine, I I don't, I don't know much about their soccer team. I don't know how that's going to shake out. But if it's Wales, there's something about putting on that jersey that just makes Gareth Bale go absolute nutso on the pitch. Um, I'm sure if he could, he'd play for Wales every week. But that national team jersey for him is it's like putting on his superhero cape and he just becomes a, a, another level of good, which for someone like Bale, you, didn't, you don't expect them to have another level. But he does when he puts on that jersey. Plus, I, yeah. I would love to see Wales beat England in a World Cup. I think it'd be great. Um, I was about to say the same thing about Scotland, England. I think that would oh, be, that'd be a really fun game <laughs> for the motherland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of geopolitics in this group. <laughs> surprisingly, not surprising. Let's be real. Mason, well, it's no, you. It's, it's anyone England that knows you. US. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that knows you knows that <laughs> that they know me then and we don't like England. <laughs> I like England as a football team and that's about it. But yeah, I'd love to see Scotland make it too, uh, just because we'd get to see Ryan Gauld make it to a cup, because I'm sure he'd be called up for that. You might see some guys that are a little bit older end up getting called in. <coughs> Johnny Russell. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Where did plus, that come I from? <laughs> I don't know. It's not like I have a, you know, a, a blue lump in my throat or anything. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it'd be great to see guys that guys that play over in England like Pulisic playing against uh, Harry Kane in a national team jersey love to see it but also getting to see guys that used to play on the same team like Johnny Russell playing up against Gianluca Busio I'd love to see that battle go down on the pitch oh to be a fly on to be in that stadium would be amazing <laughs> yeah one notable thing about that about this group is though we don't know who our first team first opponent is because that's gonna be that playoffs in june uh we get england mm -hmm. second and then our third game is against iran um but most importantly uh to note is because of the way everything shook out we end up getting our games all starting at i believe it's 1 p.m our time and they're starting at like 10 o'clock over there because of the way that yeah. the tv schedule works out but still we get we get an actual normal time for our games um so no need to worry about waking up at three in the morning to get ready to watch a game at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, and then speaking of scheduling, our second opponent is England in the group, and that is going to be on Black Friday. Yes, Black Friday. <laughs> Black Friday at one at one p.m. So you can get your shopping done, get home, take a bit of a nap. And by that, I mean, you've got like 20 minutes to, to lay down and hopefully pass out, <laughs> wake up in time and then get your beer on. Because what's watching a bit of footy on a Friday without having a pint? <laughs> Whose side are you really on in that game? <laughs> oh, it's easily on the U.S. Are you kidding me? I just hope it's it ends up. I hope it ends 2-1 so I can watch my boy Harry score. But watch the U.S. topple England yet again. <laughs> uh, your language made it a little ambiguous. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that just comes with the territory of being a soccer fan. Who who doesn't call it a pint every once in a while when you're talking about <laughs> footy? 
whomst among us. <laughs> uh, so one thing of note about uh, the way that the international schedules are shaken out is um, we are there's only going to be two international windows between now and the World Cup. And one of those international windows for us is going to be taken up by Nations League play. We it's a um, we've got a games against El Salvador and Granada in that. So not super stiff opposition, I don't think. And then um, maybe get a friendly there. And then we have another window in September for friendlies. I don't think there's any like CONCACAF competition during that that during that time. And then that's it. And then it's off to uh, to Cutter. So not going to be a lot of chances to get any more playing time in aside from, you know, the Nations League and any friendlies that can get scheduled uh, with the with the team. I think with the with the way it's going uh, with these two windows, limited time, um, you're not going to see too, too many guys getting one last look. Um Outside of guys that have already gotten into camp, unless in June, Mihailovic's putting on an absolute golden boot level campaign already, he might get a call in just to see if he fits with the group. Um, but at this point, what what Burhalter's probably most likely going to be doing is getting those guys that he knows are going to be starting 11 once they're healthy, put them together so they can get more reps together and fi- and get that last bit of cohesion between the lines ready to go for the world cup and i think you'll see that in both windows um so it'll be more of the same guys we're not going to have too much speculation on who's going to make it who's not um there'll be a couple of bubble players i'm sure but it's at this point your starters are going to be your starters and we're going to see them pretty much in every game yeah it's yeah it's both like way too far in advance to really speculate on rosters and also not really enough time to have anyone added to the roster, if you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But one notable thing here is that like, there's only a week in between international player release and the start of the World Cup, um, at least for us. So there's hardly going to be any training time. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean... At that point, it's it's more so just getting back into the system at the at the international level as opposed to trying to get the team together, because at this point you should have your team together. Um, You've Mm -hmm. gone through all your qualifying. You've had two windows to get those reps together and get that chemistry going. Um, That week is literally just to get them into the into the system and and get back into that form as opposed to their club form, Uh, because, again, a lot of guys are going to be playing in a different position for country than they do at club or, you know, they're, they might need to just get a, get a couple more practices in and just keep them where they're at so they can stay ready for the, for the games that are going to be important. Yeah. At the very least a different system. Yeah. But so don't expect a camp before, (laughs) before the cup. (laughs) Right. Well, I don't know about you, Mason, but that about does it for me before we uh, take our break and watch this U S open cup game. Yeah, that is all that I've got. So we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to discuss Indy 11 versus St. Louis City 2 in the U.S. Open Cup. We will see you then.
and welcome back from the break, everybody. Um, I hope that you enjoyed that game as much as we did. Uh, we just got done watching St. Louis City 2 take on Indy 11. And boy, oh boy, was it fun. <laughs> I believe the I believe the phrase take on Indy 11 is a bit of an understatement, if you ask me. <laughs> we took over Indy 11. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. I think looking at it, the... Uh... I mean, just initial thoughts overall on the game. Um, no matter what you look on, at on the stat sheet, outside of possession, St. Louis pretty much d- just took took a hold of the game. Didn't really give Indy much of a chance. They had, I think, what was it, one shot in the entire first half, if even that. They had no shots um, in the first Indy half. Came- <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was wanting to give them that little hope that maybe they counted one late, but unfortunately not. But no. no. <laughs> No, they they held him to I think it was four shots total all game. Um, Indy had the lion's share of possession, but that high press really showed. It were a lot of turnovers in Indy's own half um, that ended up leading to some pretty dangerous looks. Uh, two goals, one from Ezra and Armstrong, and then one from Juan Cousin. Absolutely beautifully settles it down to himself in the box and just buries it. Yeah, beautifully played. I I. I'm very excited to see what this team can do in person. Yeah. All right. So let's back up here a little bit. So (laughs) Sean pretty much hit all the points. But um, first thing that I really noticed was, um, yeah, we just bossed, uh, bossed that press. Um, Yeah. Like Sean said, you know, Indy had more of the possession. I think it ended up being a pretty close 60, 40 split, but especially in that first half, Almost all that indie possession was in their own half. We were just pushing them, pushing them back and back and back. And so all they could really do was try to get something going. And then once that was clear, they couldn't clear it. And then we'd run back, bring it back, try to get something building, lose possession, have a missed shot, whatever. And then they would get it and we would push them back and back and back. And this kept going. They had nothing. Yeah, I they they gave a stat at fairly fairly late in the in the first half. Um they had a ton of the possession, but it took them almost like what I'd say a half hour to get more than one touch in the 18. Yeah. For Indy, I mean. It took them almost a half hour to do more than just touch the ball in the 18. They got around it, sure, but every time they tried to put something in, it was cleared, it was picked up by St. Louis by city and moved out um very strong defensive first half uh they didn't really leave much to be desired because they 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 just played a great half it was absolutely fantastic to watch the press in 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 real time um yeah there that's really all i can say without <laughs> saying the same thing over and over again in different superlatives and different words yeah um the only other thing that I have to say is that unlike the first um, MLS Next Pro game, the press was working from minute go. It never took any buildup. Um, if you remember that game against Rochester, uh, it, the first couple of minutes, it wasn't really clicking. They weren't quite there. This didn't happen. It, they were on and they were going. So we get about 18 minutes in. Indy tries to clear it. Um from around from the box and it falls right to Josh Yarrow who chips it over everyone shifts the field to Ezra Armstrong who settles it and absolutely buries it that was such a good goal 
absolutely wonder strike. I you you couldn't place that better if you were playing FIFA on your PlayStation Box 360. It, it just this that's just what you that's <laughs> this pass it's, from it's, Euro. it's a goal. It's, <laughs> the the pass was so beautifully placed, well weighted right onto his foot. So he could easily settle it right in front of him without having it himself instead of having to take a, a touch to push it out to give him space to hit. It was very well weighted. And Ezra, good on you for getting out to a spot where nobody was around you on the weak side and, and just yeah, he top shelves it, it burying your chance. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, just top shelves it. It perfect. I I looked at I looked at it and I saw this pass and I'm like, holy crap. I just was like, holy crap. Um but yeah, that was that was incredible. Um, the buildups for both of these goals were incredible. We had this fantastic pass from Yarrow and then not much going on. We go to halftime. We come back. Indy, something got said because they come out and they're pushing pretty hard. There's some defensive, like pretty bad defensive play on our part. And they almost equalize it like pretty quickly. But I think it was in the first minute of the second half they had a, a rip that just barely went over the bar. Was it that soon? <laughs> I think it was in the first minute, a couple minutes. It was yeah. not very long after halftime. I knew it was fast, but yeah, they they missed that chance, luckily. And they didn't have many other good looks until pretty late into the second half. Um, but the second half was a lot yeah. more back and forth. Um, we came out a lot more defensively. And my big takeaway from that was our like our defense was good aside from like a couple pretty big misplays, but the defense was working the best when we were pressing, which is oh, yeah. is obviously it's, the goal, right? But yeah, I mean, you press high and if you do a high press effectively, you, you, you can't you can't score if you're constantly trying to play out of your own half and never get the ball anywhere close to getting a shot. Um, the only real good chances that they had were they got a long ball in and then one of, I use the term one very loosely here. The ref was a bit inconsistent, but they, they come in and they, the Indy has a chance off of a set piece and it either gets absolutely flubbed off the header or we clear it away or it goes right into Creek and they never really did much to materialize outside of that one real good rip early in the second half. Yeah. Um it was a bit more back and forth, but with that high press, we ha- we kept hamming them back in and they had to clear their lines and really just play the long ball over the top in any hopes of doing anything. Yeah, I think the guys noticed the same thing that I did, which was hey, we're not playing as well on defense when we aren't attacking. So, let's go attack again. <laughs> and so they just set right back to work. Yeah, and that was probably on Hackworth. You know, he's standing there on the sideline. He's probably yelling at the guys, hey, hey, press, press, press. And a couple of times you saw, you know, on when Creek would get the ball, Yarrow was like, come on, let's go. Let's get out. Let's get up. And he's communicating to the team. Um, very exciting to see him taking that captain's R-band very seriously. Uh, you love to see that for sure. We got a lot more of this back and forth play, but um, it didn't really seem like we were in too much danger. Um and then Juan Cusain, uh, about 65-ish minutes in, uh, gets a nice cross in, but it's a really pacey ball. And he has he has space, but he makes what I think is a correct decision, and he just goes to goal. Um, and uh, was that one, did he miss that, or does it get saved? I don't quite remember. 
That one, he didn't miss by much, but he just missed it. I think it may have gotten gone off the keeper. That one, I'm, yeah. it was so recent, I'm still a little <laughs> bit hazy on it, and I don't, I don't think there's highlights to go back and look and slow it down. Certainly not yet. Just yet. <laughs> we, like, we just <laughs> finished watching the game. Um, but yeah, Juan Cusain had a really nice chance, um, but he had enough space to probably do a touch and a half, but I don't think he could have settled the ball in a touch and a half and gotten off any better of a strike than he did. So, yeah, he definitely if he were to try to play that forward to himself a little bit, he would have ended up having to because of how much pace was on that pass coming in. It would have been a bit far out. And by the time he got to it, he would have been closed down on by either the keeper or the defender coming in from the side. Um, I think the right shot, the right idea there is to rip the shot first touch on the volley as opposed to trying to touch it forward because it was literally just him and the keeper. Yeah. Granted, he probably could have placed it just, you know what? It was, it was saved. I remember now because talking through it, I remember seeing it and thinking if he gets that any, any sort of elevated that's over the diving keeper and that's in, that's in the back of the net. Yeah. It was a great shot. (laughs) It was a great shot, but that one gets saved. And then we go a couple of minutes later, we're coming in again, and we have a really nice sequence here. Armstrong's on the near side. He switches it to Celio in the middle. Um, They're all smothered. Uh, Celio gets it off to Juan Cusain, and this time it comes good for him. He goes far and down, bouncing shot. I don't know if it was necessarily a great finish, but... It was certainly enough, <laughs> and we are up to us. Hey, hey, anytime it hits the back of the net, it's a great finish. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so there you go. The boy does it again. Uh, he got the first goal in the first MLS Next Pro game. Gets a goal here in the first U.S. Open, US Open Cup game. Juan Cusain's doing big things. Can't wait to see him on the first team for sure. That's about it uh, The from like really like game notes. Um. The refing wasn't good. <laughs> Inconsistent is the word I kept using because that's that's what it was. A foul that was a foul in the first half was not a foul in the second half and vice versa. Um, it it wasn't poorly refed, but I, I definitely <laughs> think it could have been more consistent. Sean is being a lot more uh, diplomatic here than I than I was being during the game. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh yeah, some some of the some of the words that you were saying cannot be said on the podcast, but may may be allowed on soccer Twitter. <laughs> um there was a very funny moment where an Indy eleven player slipped on the on the track going out to oh, get, yeah, absolutely. get a ball ate to throw it. In. Absolutely <laughs> ate it. I I shouldn't laugh because he could have gotten hurt, but it was it was really funny. <laughs> I I mean I've done that before and I can say it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, Doling had a really good look. Um, Just went a little over the bar, but that was a good rip from him. We had another really good chance, but I don't remember who it was, unfortunately. I think it was in the first half. Oh, yeah. We had a few good looks in the first half that went uh, either just wide or just over. And, yeah. Um, there was a we had a lot of danger for only having 33 percent of the of the possession after the first half. Yeah. And I remember the guys on the on the on the call were saying like coming out of half. Oh, Indy's dominating this game. This, you know, this guy, you know, they yeah, the guy was saying, saying, saying um, stuff like they you know. should on paper. They should have they should be winning this game, blah, blah, blah. No. But no, they're getting outplayed. <laughs> That's not what that phrase means, my guy. <laughs> if on paper you should be beating somebody. 
yeah. based off of the stats that's already been shown in this game, then you, you're not getting outplayed. You're just not getting the finishing. Yeah. And- but if you're talking about the pregame, but when you're over an hour into the game, that's not the time to be saying on paper. No. You say that in the first 10 minutes of the game. I mean, I think I think what what this was right is we were technically the underdogs here as an MLS Next Pro third division team going up against a USL Championship second division team. But looking at the play on the field, there was absolutely no way that Indy was not getting smashed at half. Oh, yeah. If they had come out and, you know, if they had played the whole game, like if Indy had played the whole game, like they played the first 10 or so minutes of the second half, I could see this result going any other way. But Mm -hmm. with the way they played the game, you can hold possession all you want, but if you don't do anything with it, you're not going to score. Even even if Indy had played the first half like they played the second half, not just the first couple of minutes, this would have at least looked like a different game. I don't necessarily know if the scoreline would have been different, but it would have looked different. That first half was all us easy. The only way you could say that otherwise is if you're just looking at possession. Yeah, and as we all know, Sports is more than just a, it's a numbers game, but it's not just a numbers game when it comes down to it. Yeah. Because you can, you can simplify it all you want to, if you put more, if, if the team scores more points than the other team, they're going to win the game. Yeah. I'm John Madden. (laughs) But if you look at just possession, you're going to see a completely different story than what you see on the game and, you know, on the field and the eye test never fails. Yeah. I think that's about all I really had. Any last minute takeaways from you? Um, I mean, I, I can't wait to see these guys in action again. Um, their next game is going to be on Sunday down at SLU again. Uh, I will be there. So come say hey. I will hopefully be wearing my freshly minted Luligans jersey. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yes, come say hey. Hang out. Join us for the for the tailgate at the parking garage and then march to the field with us. And we hope to see you there for sure. Yeah. Speaking of the jerseys, big shout out to our friend Ryan St. Louis Stars. Very kind enough to uh, to get jer- uh, St. Louis jerseys for us. We really appreciate that, Ryan. Number one fan right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're at the game, go and say hi to Sean. Unfortunately, I don't think Mike or myself will be there, but we hope to see you there very soon. I think that's about all I've got. And with that, I'm your cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean Campbell. And I've been your emergency backup host, producer Mason. We are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.